Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Tuesday, May 3rd, 2022, and welcome back in to the Locked on Orioles podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, and coming up on today's episode, we've got a lot to get to. First, a recap of the Orioles' loss on Monday night, falling 2-1 to one to the Minnesota Twins in Game 1 of a four-game series. Then, we talk about the Orioles' roster moves that they made on Monday, had to cut the roster down from 28 to 26 players, and made two moves, one not surprising and one a little surprising. We'll break down why the O's made the two moves that they did, and then we'll get you ready for Game 2 between the Orioles and the Twins on Tuesday night. Take a look at what Minnesota really comes into this series with and why they were able to beat the O's Monday and how this series could fare for the final three games. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So we got a lot to get to on today's episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. But before we get to it all, just want to thank you for making Locked On Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. Locked on Orioles is free and available on all podcast listing platforms. Whether you like Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher or whatever it may be, if you could leave a five-star rating and a review on those platforms, that would really help out the pod a lot. And of course, we're here on YouTube as well. Hit that red subscribe button if you can. We're over 300 subscribers now. Hope that they keep coming as well. And, uh, you know, throw us a like, throw a comment on the videos. Let us know what you think all really helps out the pod. So again, just wanted to thank you for making Locked on Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. And for your first listen today, let's start with the Orioles and the Twins. Game one of a four-game series at Camden Yards on Monday night, and the Orioles fall in a tight one, a pitcher's duel, as the Twins get them 2-1 to one in game one on Monday night, as the Orioles, with the loss, Dropped to 8-15 and 15 on the season. Twins now 14-9 and nine with the victory. And I'm going to get you the five things you need to know from the Orioles' 2-1 to one loss to the Twins. And the first thing that you need to know is that, well, Tyler Wells was once again pretty good and once again against his old team. Of course, the Orioles drafted Wells in the Rule 5 draft from the Minnesota Twins last year and he was once again just really, really good as a starter. Now, Brandon Hyde did say before Monday's game that, you know, don't expect Tyler Wells to even go five innings very often this year. Like he went, you know, five pretty strong innings in his last start against the Yankees. But, you know, Hyde talked about how, you know, he's on an innings limit this year. And even if his pitch count is down, he's not going to go past five. And you really shouldn't expect him to go past four. Well, he was through four scoreless innings today, so he worked into the fifth, did give up a run, but overall, five really strong innings from Tyler Wells. He allows just one run on four hits. He strikes out four, didn't walk anybody, and it took him just 62 pitches to get through those five innings, and if he was not on an innings limit, I mean, you're looking at a guy who could have easily gotten through seven innings or more in tonight's game, and it continues to to work out this move, you know, sending him into a starting role, and, you know, he only gave up. Five hard-hit balls on the day. His ERA is now down to 4.50 on the season. 
And he's had, yeah, a couple of, of rough starts where he you know, couldn't get you know more than, than six or seven outs in a couple of these starts. But there's been three starts that have each been five innings and have each been really good, and today was one of them. How about nine whiffs on 62 pitches for Tyler Wells? That is a pretty good number on what he was throwing. And, you know, he he kind of mixed up the whiffs. He got three on the slider. That was the most. But he had, you know, three on the fastball. And he had a couple on the curveball. He was really mixing up his stuff. And now the issue for Wells tonight is, you know, once again, the four-seam fastball was his worst pitch. And this has kind of been a trend for a lot of Orioles starters this year, even though they've been so great and, you know, Wells contributing to the O's continuing to have the best home ERA for their starting pitchers of any team in baseball. The fastball is just not their friend. He threw 19 four-seamers. He also threw four sinkers per stat cast. So 23 fastballs in all. And, you know, he, he got three whiffs combined, but... He only got two called strikes. They weren't really in the strike zone that much. The velo was at 93.5, maxed out at 94.7. So right around his his average on the year. He was obviously throwing harder last year in those one-inning stints out of the bullpen. And, and you, you know, expect the velo to go down a little bit when he knows he's trying to pitch four or five innings at a time instead of that one inning max effort on the year. But Despite the fastball being down, I mean, every other pitch seemed to be his friend. You know, the curveball looked good. He was able to drop it in there for strikes. It was his second most used pitch. He threw 15 of them. He threw 13 changeups. That pitch was really good. He was dropping that thing in the strike zone all over the place, had four called strikes with that. And then I mentioned the slider. You know, he only threw 11 of them, but three of them were whiffs. Three of them were called strikes. One of his best days on the slider this year. And then, of course, he, he threw in those those four sinkers per stat cast as well. But in terms of Tyler Wells, I mean, the breaking stuff looked really good. It hasn't taken a step back, even though he's gone into a starter role. And yes, the, the fastball velo is a little bit down, but not crazy down. And it's what you expected. And just another good start from Tyler Wells. And yeah, you know, he got through the, the three and a third perfect and he got out of the jam after the two hits in the fourth, and you know he gave up the run in the fifth. But overall, I thought the stuff looked really good. I thought he was confident out there. And even though he didn't have his best fastball, I thought he had some of his best off-speed pitches he's thrown of his whole career in the major leagues and turned in just a really, really good start for the Orioles. Second thing you need to know from this one is that you know overall, it was another pretty solid day for the Oriole bullpen. And yes, Brian Baker did give up what ended up being the winning run in the sixth on, of course, a Carlos Correa RBI single that gave Minnesota a 2-1 to lead in the top of the sixth inning. Baker only recorded one out and gave up two hits and a run. He didn't have his best stuff, but Sino Perez came in through a scoreless inning with a walk and a strikeout. He still has a zero ERA on the season. Felix Bautista, an inning and two-thirds scoreless with two strikeouts, no walks, and just one hit. That's good to see after his command has been a little shaky lately. He throws 24 pitches and, you know, strikes out two and, again, didn't walk anybody. You know, Bautista did, did get hit hard a couple of times in this game, actually allowed three hard-hit balls. But, you know, overall, I thought this stuff was, was pretty good from Bautista. And, again, you know, he maxed out the fastball at 99.7. The average fastball velocity was up. Uh, the splitter looked good. He got a couple of whiffs on that pitch. So again, and then how about a really big bounce back outing for Paul Fry, who threw a 1-2-3 top of the ninth with a strikeout through just 12 pitches. 
and you know kept the game at two to one at the top of the ninth inning. That was a much needed outing for Paul Fry, who lowered his ERA to nine point zero zero with the one two three inning. So props again to the Oriole bullpen. But the third thing you need to know from this one is that the Oriole offense, you know, no matter how many balls they hit hard, just could not come through in this one. Orioles just one run on four hits in the game, and obviously that is the big reason why they lost. And, you know, they get the run in the fifth inning to tie the game, and that was it. I mean, the four hits were scattered, you know, as a single from Mullins, a single from Santander, a single from Nevin, and a triple from Odor. But other than that, I mean, you know, they walked twice in the game. Uh, Austin Hayes did draw a walk to get on base, and Robinson Chirinos drew a heck of a walk uh, to lead off the eighth inning. It was an 11-pitch walk against Emilio Pagan to get on base to start the eighth, uh, but the O's couldn't get you know the runner any further from first after Ben Boom Pinch ran for him. But you know at the end of the day, it's just it's it's tough to watch sometimes. They can't put this offense together. But the fourth thing that you need to know is that even though it was just one run on just four hits, those are not good offensive numbers in a nine inning game. There was at least something to be happy about. And that something was that the Orioles hit the ball pretty hard in this game, but were not rewarded, as we know, with any hits. The Orioles had 13 hard hit balls in this game. That's a ball off the bat, 95 miles per hour or more. Generally, a lot of those balls end up as hits. And despite 13 hard hit balls, they only had four hits. Mullins had two hard hit balls. Hayes had two. Mountcastle had two. Nevin had two. Arias had two. And, you know, you're looking at these guys and Arias had an offer. You know, Hayes had an offer. Mountcastle had an offer. And they all hit the ball hard twice. Then you add in Santander, who had a hard hit ball. Odor had a hard hit ball. And Jorge Mateo, despite an offer three, had a hard hit ball. It was a really nice play made by Carlos Correa to rob him of a hit. In the eighth inning, after that Torino's long walk, it could have been first and second. Nobody out for the Orioles on that Mateo hard hit ball. But, you know, the offense has been a little better lately, and obviously they score the nine runs on Sunday. So things are picking up a bit, I guess. And the hard hit balls will turn into more hits, but they just, they've got to turn into hits at some point because it, it, it continues to be hard to watch offensively. And the fifth and final thing you need to know from the Orioles' 2-1 to loss to the Twins is that uh, we saw the corner of the new wall really come into play for the first time this season. And, you know, it's been kind of unofficially named Elrod's Corner to honor the late Elrod Hendricks, who was just a pillar of Baltimore Orioles baseball for so, so many years as a player and then as a coach out in the bullpen. And... It's kind of been named Elrod's Corner now. Good story in the Baltimore Sun by Andy Koska, who wrote about, you know, kind of the unofficial naming of Elrod's Corner. And Elrod's Corner came into play really for the first time this season on Monday night. Rugnet Odor led off the fifth inning with the Orioles trailing 1-0 with uh, twin starter Chris Paddock still in the game. And Odor shoots a ball, hits it pretty hard out to left center field. And it was kind of tailing towards that wall. And the ball basically kind of hit off almost hit off the corner there and twins left fielder, Nick Gordon went sliding for the ball and, and did really ram into that kind of 90 degree angle. Now, luckily for Gordon, he was not injured. He stayed in the game and, and finished it out in left field and in the lineup for the twins. But that was really the first time we saw it come into play. And that ball last year is maybe caught 
but probably a double. But it turned into a triple for Odor because of the wall, and it really led to the Orioles' only run because the next batter up was Ramon Arias. He had a fly ball to the track in right center field, and of course it ended up being a sack fly that scored Odor and tied the game at one in the bottom of the fifth. That was the Orioles' only run, and you know if Odor's only on second, maybe that fly ball gets him to third, but maybe the O's don't, you know, in general get that run home and maybe they're shut out. And so, you know, it was interesting to see it kind of come into play for the first time this year. And, you know, we'll keep an eye on how it plays out for the rest of the season and, and going forward, which uh, has now been named Elrod's Corner. Uh, big fan of, of the naming there out in the new left center field at Camden Yards. But despite the help from Elrod's Corner, that was the only run the Orioles scored and they fall 2-1 to one to the Minnesota Twins, dropping game one of a four-game set. But the Orioles also made some roster moves before that loss to the Twins as Monday was the deadline to cut rosters down across Major League Baseball from 28 to 26 players. And coming up right after this, we will talk about why the Orioles ended up sending Ryan McKenna down and DFAing Kelvin Gutierrez. And while they may not have been the right move in many of our opinions, including myself, I'll give you kind of the rationale for why they made the two moves that they did. But first, let's talk about LinkedIn. Because with spring in the air, it's a time of renewal and growth, personally and professionally. And as your small business grows, LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. Now, listen, I've been on LinkedIn a lot and it's a great platform to try and find a job. And, you know, from my side, it's been as the job seeker, but the, you know, people who are offering these jobs as well, those small businesses, they have just as much success. You can create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. They've got simple tools like screening questions, make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. And LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MLB. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And today's episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is also brought to you by betonline.net because we've got the NHL playoffs, which started last night. The Washington Capitals, my hockey team, starts their series with the Florida Panthers tonight. We've also got the NBA playoffs. They are into the second round in the NBA as well. And of course, the Major League Baseball season is already about a month in. And if you like to wager on some sports like this, you can head over to betonline.net for all your sports gambling needs, whether it's you're looking for lines, whether you're looking for, you know, maybe news on the teams you're betting on, maybe you're looking for injury news, maybe you're just looking for podcasts like this to listen to to be more informed about the teams that you're taking a look at. Or, you know, maybe you just want to head over and place a bet or maybe you want to head over and play some games. You can play your favorite Vegas casino games from the comfort of your couch on betonline.net. That's a pretty good deal. But whether it's the wagering, whether it's the news, whether it's the updates, whatever you need, betonline.net is a one-stop shop for all your sports wagering needs. Again, that's betonline.net, where the game starts. 
So the Orioles lost to the Twins 2-1 on Monday night. But before that loss, the Orioles had to make two roster moves because, you know, Major League Baseball had the lockout, as we all remember. During this offseason, they ended up having a very shortened spring training. So because of that, to try and alleviate some of the pressure, especially on pitchers, MLB said you could carry 28 players instead of the usual 26 for the first month of the season, with the cutoff date being May 2nd for when you needed to cut it back down to the usual 26. And so that date came on Monday, and the Orioles had some decisions to make. And now, in terms of pure performance, it seemed like there were two pretty easy candidates to lose their spots. In Chris Owings, who was 2-for-18 with 12 strikeouts on the year, and Travis Lakins, who had just given up four runs in the Sunday game and gotten blown up every time he's pitched out of the Oriole bullpen so far. And it felt like, hey, you take out one pitcher, you take out one hitter, they've both been terrible, and you make the easy choices. But those were not either of the choices that the Orioles made. We actually talked about the first choice on Monday's episode because as I was recording late on Sunday night, the first move came in just as I was finishing up recording, and that was the Orioles optioning outfielder Ryan McKenna down to AAA Norfolk. So that got the roster down to 27. And McKenna wasn't really someone who had crossed my mind that could be a potential to be sent down because, yeah, he's not lighting the world on fire and he's certainly not you know playing every day in the Oriole lineup, but he's been really good as a pinch runner, as a defensive replacement, as that fourth outfielder, and he's been hitting the ball pretty well. He's hitting about 270 on the year. He was four for 10 over the last 10 days, so when he was getting his chances, McKenna was coming up big. But, you know, he had options, and that's valuable. And he was one of the few Orioles who were kind of on this roster bubble who had options remaining. And so, you know, Brandon Hyde talked before Monday's game that, you know, they just felt like Ryan McKenna wasn't getting regular at-bats. He was never, you know, even starting two games in a row in the big leagues. And they wanted him to get more regular at-bats. And, and he, you know, he will play every single day in Norfolk. He will be the starting center fielder for the Tides, and he'll play pretty much every single day. And so that'll be good to get his confidence back up. But we've seen a lot of AAA baseball from Ryan McKenna. He has mashed at AAA in his career. He doesn't really have anything else to prove with AAA at-bats. Now, it'd be nice to get a more regular major league at-bats, but they're just not there. Hayes, Mullins, and Santander are all healthy. And the Orioles have, you know, Mancini and Mountcastle, and now Nevin as well at the major league level. And it's just tough to get McKenna at-bats. So I kind of see both sides, but they send McKenna down. And now, you know, you would have thought, oh, so the other move will be a pitcher. But then you realize MLB originally had said, you know, once we go down to 26 players on May 2nd, you have to carry less than 14 pitchers. So you have to carry 13 or less pitchers, trying to cut down on the amount of shuttling pitchers back and forth and, you know, get away from how many times guys are just being sent down to AAA, how guys are being used. It, it, it hasn't been great for some of these kind of tweener AAA Major League bullpen arms. So they said originally, you got to have, you know, most teams would probably do 13 and 13, but you ha- you can't have 14 pitchers or more. But then they stepped back on that and said, wait, you know, there's been pitcher injuries because of the shortened spring training. Okay, for all of May, even though you're down to 26 players, you can carry up to 14 pitchers to go along with 12 hitters. So of course the Orioles are going to take advantage of that. And as soon as that rule came out, I knew, okay, the O's are going to stick with 14 pitchers and 12 hitters for probably all of May. And so at that point, yeah, I would have liked to see Travis Lakins go. But if it was going to be Travis Lakins, they were probably going to replace him with another pitcher from AAA and still cut two hitters. 
So all the pitchers keep their jobs. And Kelvin Gutierrez is the infielder who was DFA'd by the Orioles on Monday. Now, listen, Chris Owings has been really bad. And I thought the answer would be Chris Owings. You know, a 30-year-old, he's had a lot of time in the major leagues. You kind of know the player he is. And he seemingly be, seems to be, you know, on the downslope of his career. And it's just not working out. But Gutierrez has not been much better. We talk about Owings being two for 18 with 12 strikeouts. Now, Gutierrez, to be fair, he has only struck out, uh, I believe, four times this year. But he's four for 28 at the plate. That is not good. That is not good at all. That is a 143 batting average for Kelvin Gutierrez, who, yes, he's a pretty good defensive third baseman. I'll give him that. But he really doesn't have a lot of versatility. I mean, he's only played defensively third base since the Orioles brought him in on waivers last July from the Kansas City Royals. And so even though he's really, really good defensively at third, he doesn't bring the versatility that at the very least, Chris Owings basically plays every position but pitcher and catcher. So he gives you a lot more versatility in the field, despite the fact that he can't really make contact with baseball right now. And I get why they did that because, you know, listen, if Chris Owings were playing every day and were hitting 111, and striking out every time, this would be different. But to be fair, you know, he's basically in a utility infielder starting once, maybe twice a week role. And in that role, he's not really hurting the Orioles as much. And in that utility bench role, you really would rather have a guy who can play every position. I mean, Owings has played first, second, short, third, left, center, and right in his major league career. He can play all those positions. Gutierrez is really a third baseman. And when you look at it, Gutierrez has played more this year than Owings has, but Kelvin Gutierrez was not in any of the three starting lineups in the weekend series against the Red Sox. He pinch hit when it was a blowout in the eighth inning on Sunday, but that was his only appearance of the weekend. And Brandon Hyde made it clear that it was not injury related, that Gutierrez hadn't started all three games. And that probably should have been our indicator that it was time for Gutierrez to go. So you know, I don't imagine he'll be claimed on waivers. He's been so bad offensively. And so we'll see if he ends up, you know, back down in AAA Norfolk or if he, you know, just decides to uh, not accept that assignment and become a free agent, maybe try to stick on with another organization. But there's definitely a good chance he just is cleared off the 40-man roster and is playing baseball in AAA Norfolk for the Orioles and stays in the organization. But again, you know, I was banging the drum on Chris Owings, but I get the Gutierrez move. Again, you know, if Owings is going to be your utility guy, I get it. He can play every position, and Gutierrez just kind of can't. He's a third baseman, and that's about it. I mean, we've seen him a little first base, but but you know the Orioles have plenty of guys who can play first base. And speaking of that, you know the other reason to go with Gutierrez and McKenna as well is that you know Tyler Nevin got called up, and you know he's got a couple of hits already. Swing looks pretty good, and the Orioles basically want to be able to play Nevin. Every single day, they want to give him a really good look. And the position he plays, first base, third base, and corner outfield. And it's going to be tough for him, you know, especially hopefully when Trey Mancini comes back. Now, Trey has been out of the lineup the last three days after bruising his ribs, making that catch up against the wall in right field on Friday. But once he returns, it's going to be tough to play first because either Mount Castle or Mancini are there every day and the other one's DHing. But Nevin plays third and he plays left and right. So with Gutierrez out, there's much more space for Nevin to start at third base. And with McKenna out, 
you know, Nevin is now your fill-in outfielder when either Hayes or Mullins or Santander gets a day off. And of course, you can always DH Nevin as well. And he can play left and right field. And, you know, he's not a great outfielder, but he can do a solid job up there. And, you know, he played the outfield when he came up with the Orioles at the end of the 2021 season. So I kind of get the moves, you know, I, I, I get the McKenna move, maybe not as much, but I, I do get the Gutierrez move. Listen, he's been terrible. I mean, four for 28 was terrible. And yes, he had a really good September down the stretch with the O's last year, but in general, his whole career has been just not a good offensive player. And so I, I get it. And, and listen, you know, there's all also the argument of why couldn't you get rid of Owings and Gutierrez and, you know, bring up a different infielder like a Jemai Jones or Ryland Bannon. Well, I'm mostly behind that, but no, there's always the argument that would you really want to bring up Jemai Jones or Ryland Bannon to be in Owings' current role, which is you start once a week, maybe twice at most, you're coming in as maybe a defensive replacement, or would you rather Jones and Bannon get those regular at-bats at AAA? I'm not really sure where I fall in, but an interesting part of this is that, you know, Jemai Jones has been kind of cold recently, and Ryland Bannon is currently on an 0-for-26 stretch after a red-hot start to the season in AAA for Bannon. He has been ice cold, so probably not the time to bring Bannon to the big leagues. And that probably tied the Orioles' hands a little bit as well. And then in terms of the Lakens thing, you know, you could also make the argument, all right, you want to keep 14 pitchers. That's totally fine. But why can't you also get rid of Lakens and bring up a different pitcher from AAA? And, and that's a pretty good argument too. But the pushback to that is, you know, you look at the Orioles' team right now, they basically have two long men on the roster right now. And this is because of the injuries that they have suffered. Of course, the John Means injury has pushed other guys into the rotation. Chris Ellis comes up and means a spot. Now he's on the injured list with the shoulder injury. Alex Wells comes up in that spot. Alexander Wells is now on the injured list. He's missing eight to 12 weeks with a UCL strain. And, you know, you look at all these pitching injuries that the Orioles have now suffered. And, you know, Dean Kramer is still on the injured list with that oblique injury, although he's throwing more and should be back somewhat soon for the O's to help them out in this in this spot. But in terms of long men, it's Keegan Aiken and it's Travis Lakins, who they've kind of turned into a longer reliever. And Aiken, you know, will piggyback guys, but you need that kind of more mop-up role. And not that Mike Bauman was in the mop-up role, but he was in somewhat of that role. And the Orioles optioned Bauman down to AAA Norfolk on Friday to make room for Kyle Bradish to come up and make his debut. And unless there's an injury, Bauman has to stay in AAA for 10 days before he can come back to the big leagues. So Mike Bauman is the easy replacement for Travis Lakins, but Bauman can't come back to the bigs until Monday, May 9th, unless there's an injury. And so if you're going to get rid of Lakins, I think it's going to happen. But what's probably going to happen is he'll get thrown out there in one or two more mop-up scenarios over the next week. And then when Bauman can come back, the Orioles will probably recall Bauman next Monday and either option or probably DFA Travis Lakins if he continues to struggle like he's probably going to in those roles. So would I rather see Ryland Bannon or Jemai Jones than Chris Owings? Yeah. Would I rather see, you know, a Cole Uvila or Nick Vespi, guys who are really thrown well in AAA than a Travis Lakins? Yeah. But those are kind of the reasons I laid out why, you know, the Orioles made the moves they did, optioning McKenna, and DFA and Kelvin Gutierrez are now down to 26 guys on the active roster. And also, because the DFA, they do have an open spot on the 40-man roster. There's currently 39 players on it. And there were a lot of guys who were DFA'd by teams on Monday to cut those rosters down from 28 to 26. 
So it'll be interesting to see if Mike Elias maybe makes a waiver claim on one of those guys with the open 40-man spot. I kind of expect him to do that. It'll just be interesting to see who takes up that spot. But the Orioles are now down to 26 players as they played with against the Twins on Monday night. And they'll play the Twins again Tuesday night. And we'll get a quick preview of that game coming up in just a second. But first, let's talk about rockauto.com. Because if you're like me, and you drive a car that you like, but you know absolutely nothing about it, rockauto.com comes in to really, really help you out. Because if I need a part for my car and I go into a chain store or a car dealership, they might try to big time me. Sometimes they do. And they, they make it clear that they know more about cars than you and kind of make you feel bad for not knowing that much about your car. But at rockauto.com, they make it super easy to find any part you need. They've been doing so for over 20 years, been serving do-it-yourselfers. And maybe I'm not a do-it-yourselfer, but I'm someone who doesn't want anyone to make me feel bad about not knowing much about my car. But I go to rockauto.com, I get the part I need, easy to navigate, and the best part, of course, they have fantastic prices. Some of the lowest prices you will find. You get a great price at rockauto.com every single time. So head to rockauto.com for all your needs for your car or your truck. And make sure you write Locked On Orioles in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. So game two of a four-game series between the Orioles and the Twins is coming up here on Tuesday night. Twins now 14-9, and Orioles 8-15 and after the Twins took the first one 2-1 on Monday. And going for the Twins is an exciting prospect who uh, has been in the big leagues with them this year. 25-year-old right-hander Joe Ryan will make his fifth start of the year for Minnesota. He was actually traded from the Rays to the Twins last year at the deadline when the Rays acquired Nelson Cruz from Minnesota. And Ryan has been absolutely fantastic so far this year. In his four starts, he has a 1.17 ERA. He struck out 25 batters in 23 innings. His last time out against Detroit on April 27th, he was unbelievable. Seven scoreless innings, allowed just one hit, struck out nine and walked one, the best start of his career. Joe Ryan is rolling. He's got a big-time fastball, high velocity, high spin rate that he throws a lot, and he is an interesting pitcher to watch. But it's the Orioles' ace going in this one as well. As Bruce Zimmerman heads back to the mound for the O's, the 27-year-old lefty makes his fifth start of the year. He's got a 0.93 ERA with 21 strikeouts in 19 and a third innings of work this year. Now, of course, his last time out, he got zero help from the Oriole defense on Thursday, four and a third innings at Yankee Stadium. He allowed four runs, but none of them were earned on five hits, struck out five and walked one. Orioles defense just imploded, made five errors in that game that lost to the Yankees. And uh, because of those errors, Bruce had to come out after, you know, only going four and a third. And so hopefully he'll be able to get deeper into the game and get a little more help from his defensive unit on Tuesday night. And then we'll be back with you here tomorrow on Wednesday to recap all the action from game two Tuesday night between the Orioles and the Twins. Talk a little Orioles minor leagues as some guys are back in action Tuesday, including Adley Rutschman, who along with D.L. Hall is up in double-A Bowie this week. And we'll see Adley in the Bowie Bay Sox lineup tonight. We'll talk about how he did uh, back at a you know a much higher level of competition, going from high A to double-A. We'll get you all the Orioles news and notes 
and uh, including if the O's do happen to make a waiver claim on somebody who was a roster cut from 28 down to 26 from another team in the big leagues. But that's all coming up on tomorrow's episode of the podcast. Until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.